I don't live the life of the streets no more. I follow God now. The kids that's out there in the streets nowadays, they don't have no respect for one another. Right now, these kids can't take a loss. They want to kill after every fight. When the federal government moved us out the way in order to get that land, now they misguiding all these little children. They like that code. They like that code. You know, I think just around this city, Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, you know, you definitely, you, you talk about um, legendary figures. I think it's, it's fair to say that, um, you know, you're a legend around here. Uh, everybody knows you, everybody has something to say about you. I guess I just want to start by just, just talking about that, about being somebody that everybody talks about, somebody that everybody's got a story about, somebody that everybody knows. When did that start for you and, and, and what do you think about that? How does that make you feel? And in, in all honesty, things like that, you can't plan those. Things like that, they happen. The necessity is mother invention. So being short of stature, naturally, and faced with a situation, you have to overcompensate. Because a person your height or your stature or done height, done stature, mm -hmm. they, would be tried, they wouldn't be tried as easily as I'd be tried. So you pretty much have to do things to make people dissuade them from wanting to try you like that again. When was the first time you realized that you had a reputation? I actually had a reputation for being a nerd going to private school. Okay. And then I was picked on for going to private school because I lived in the poorest area, what was considered the bottom. But my mom worked three jobs to put me to private school. So guys like, okay, you go to little sister school. Mm -hmm. So I ended up having to fight behind that. And some of the same guys I ended up beating up later on, they would have need problems, and I would have a solution to the problem, so they realize, okay, this guy, he can fight, but yet and still, he's pretty smart, and he will, he's willing to help us, and he's willing to teach us. Mm. So therefore, I become known as a guy, hey, he'll fight, but he's also pretty smart, and we can learn a little something from him. That was one of the first things, uh, you know, the things I've heard about you, you know, when, when people talk around the city, when I first got here, Oh man, he's a knockout artist. You know, he's the toughest dude around. He's a killer. He's this, he's that, he's this. But then I also started hearing he's the smartest guy you'll ever talk to. He got the biggest heart, that he was always down to help somebody, that he understood the law. He was always putting himself out there like that for other people. What is your reputation around here? Again, uh, like I said, necessity is the mother of invention. I knew the law because I kept running into law. Each time I kept running into a situation with the law, the old heads in prison would sit. And the CDC would sit me down and say, You'll go, don't go out there and play basketball. Come here, boy, let me teach you about your case. Let me show you what you got going on here and going on. So I took that and I passed that on to other people. So mm. when they had situations that I know their lawyers were selling them out, I would take time to show them how they make their lawyer work for them because the average person don't know that their lawyer work for them. So they, therefore they go for whatever their lawyer tell them. But out of all the things that I say, out of all the reputation I had, I only did what was necessary and what was needed. You know what I'm saying? I only did what was necessary and needed in my situation. But the things that I like to be remembered for is not any violence that I may have occurred in what I was trying to do because that never was my ends to my means. Any violence that occurred, it happened because the situation happened and it never to be dealt with. But that never was my objective. I had a goal try to get money for myself and my family and get out of there. And that's mm -hmm. what most of us had. Hey, let's, we were not there for the violence. We were not there for the fun and play. 
we were like, hey, let's make enough money so we can get out the business and get out of here and do something better for our family. That was our, that was pretty much our goal. So the thing that I pride myself on was the, some of the code that we had as far as respecting elders and helping children. I mean, we used to buy buy clothes for children and all things like that. Those are the things like we had a we had a what we call a law because we never had a leader or nothing. We were just all dudes that we loved each other. Mm-hmm. We loved our big homies and we listened. But we always we had certain codes that we'll sit here something to happen today, and then tomorrow. We'll come down there and we'll talk about it. Don or somebody say, hey, man, you know, the old lady was stuck down there. And 20 people passed by her. Why she didn't get no, why didn't nobody put no tire in her car? From now on. That you, kind of mindset. Yeah, so, so from now on, somebody, don't, don't let no 20 people pass her and leave her with them children. Down there. So now, when we see a lady pulled over, we'll stop, put, get a tire, put the tire on the car. If she ain't got a tire, we'll somebody go get her a tire. That attitude, that, that, that sort of attitude about uh, community and inclusion and, and taking care of, of, of family, that's, that, that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with the people of the bottoms the most. A lot of the folks who are gonna see this ain't gonna, ain't gonna really know what the bottoms is. Can you kind of explain what the bottoms is? Love Better Heights, Shreveport, Louisiana. Can you just sort of explain you know, what that community was like, what it was like growing up there, well, what the spirit of that community it was? It was old red light, it was a remnants of old red light district. When you had to pour the Shreve downtown. When the sailors used to come downtown, they used to come down there and party. Cause it, that's why you had the whorehouses and all that going on. So the people that stayed there usually was the poorest of the poorest. And people come down there and they party all weekend down there in our spot. Then they leave us to clean up the trash okay. and going on. So therefore we always stuck together because we never was uh, respected at other places. When we go places, even when we go with parks and recreation, they said bottom bottom cheering got to stick, stick over there. They didn't want us with the other cheering and going on. So then nobody else care about us, so we had to care about us, each other. So that's why we said, hey, listen, no, we're going we gonna to take care of ourselves. We're going to take care of each other. If your mama needs her bills paid, if we go out and do something, the first money we get goes towards your mama bills. The second money we get, then we can split it up. But the first money got to go toward whatever our objective was when we leave the house that night. And we just did. We Like I said, it was more family-orientated than people would believe because we went by the old codes. And as you say, we had nobody ever had a set leader where nobody stood up and said, hey, you got to listen to me. But we would listen to whoever had knew the most about that situation. Mm. And we had like, if one person know more about this situation than me, then everybody would be quiet and listen. If if I know more about the situation than this, if it's something about legal, they're going to come run to me. If it's something about this, they're going to come run to me. Or they're going to come run to some of the others about whatever they feel of expertise. We didn't see a situation where we didn't went and said, what happened? And said, well, he did this, he did this him. And we tell him, man, we love you, but we wrong. We can't we can't ride with that. Mm. We love you, we gonna make sure you get well, but we don't ride with what's wrong. And the, 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 the way it was sort of described to me first, you know, the first time I ever heard of the Bottoms or the Bottom Boys, anything like that, you know, it was from the police. You know, when I was here, I started talking to, you know, doing some research for a show and it was described as the most you know, dangerous and ruthless and, and 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 vicious gang in the history of Louisiana. What do you have to say about that? Do, would I you mean, call it a gang? No, no, it, it never was gang, no gang affiliated, you know. When you come down there, you may see a bottom boy wearing red, you may see a bottom boy wearing blue, he gonna wear what he wanna wear. He may fool with some partners over here, there's some bloods, may fool with some partners over here, some cribs. Nobody dictate who he fool with, nobody dictate who he self with. Just respect the fact that we family 
and let nothing come between that. Is that also what you think made you guys so powerful? I think uh, uh, Janet Reno said in the, uh, when we was going to trial that we had overcame several color barriers because they associated us with Bloods and Crip because they seen dudes wearing red and blue. So see, they said, well, Bloods and Crip hanging together. And I had some white sons that was down there hanging with me going on. And so they said, okay, now they, they went across the race. The race thing, but our thing was the bottom is the bottom. If you living in the slum or you living in a poor situation or you living in a, a low income situation, wherever you at in the world, you still got bottom ideology mm. because you're trying to rise up from it. So the bottom is not so much as a place as an ideology. It's I, I'm at the lowest state now. I got to build myself up, but that's the whole objective. It's not. It's more like I said, they didn't tow down the bottom, but they can't take the bottom out of the individual because right. they stayed us to, hey man, better my situation, better my situation. Not not just some of the stuff that we see going on right now. It bothers us. It bothers all of us because we love these kids out here and these kids out here senseless shooting, senseless this and going on, not respecting elders and going on, and we know that's not how men operate. What do you feel is going on now that's just completely different from the time that you guys were coming? Well, the out? thing is, when you and they scraped us, and my my personal opinion, now this is strictly my opinion, when they scraped us off, people who kind of had like a, a moral aptitude of doing things in a certain way and made sure they enforced that, and when you take us out the way, then you got people that climb to the top who, who, who never would have been able to be there. These guys did not have the moral status that they would have never been able to climb to the top if people had been there with moral status, cause they would deserve that and say, hey, you get your butt back down there. You don't you don't belong here because you're gonna mislead a lot of people. Yeah. But those people, when they scraped us out the way on them bunk charges and stuff, yeah. those people was able to rise to the top. So now you got a generation of children. Do you think you're still feeling the effects of that because they pulled y'all off the street? But they did, because now you had people that who 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 was immoral or didn't have the moral aptitude that we had. So now they up there being leaders. And so now they being leaders and they telling guys, forget that, forget yeah. forget grandmama, forget yeah. Joe Blow, forget that. That's what gangsters do. And the kids don't know no better. They being misled. And 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 man, that's what everyone always says. You know, when when, when, when I mean for, Yeah, okay. What's up, Mr. Go? What's going on with you, man? Man? What's up with you? Yeah, yeah, that's my old man there. Yeah. My dude. What's going on? You want to sit down with us? Yeah, man? let me have a seat over here. Let me see. I guess I said yeah. What's it right there? What? Say what? It don't matter. It don't matter. Yeah. Watch him, man. Hey, I was just asking uh, Bam to describe what, 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 what the bottoms was like, you know, and the bottom boys being a a ruthless uh, gang, and, and 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 how do you look at that? Well, I ain't gonna say we we it was a ruthless gang, and then I don't I don't consider us as a gang. That's what Bam said. I consider us as guys raised up in the bottom, and uh, know each other all our lives, and we was all good friends from growing up. Just but for as a gang, we was never a gang. Were you we, dangerous? Well, I'm gonna put it like this. I ain't gonna say we was dangerous, but we weren't gonna let nobody mess with us. I just look at it that a, a neighborhood where it was real dangerous, cause it was certain areas when I was 12 years old, 11 years old on down, well really 
14 years old on down. It was certain parts of the bottom I couldn't go. It was just off limit. I wasn't able to, to walk on the left side of the street going east. Why? Wow, what was going on down because there? Because the clubs down there, anything may happen. Coming out, when you're passing them clubs, people's coming out them clubs fighting, stabbing. You don't never know what's going to happen. So when we was kids, that's how we were taught to stay away from them, them areas. Is that, was that the same for you? Yeah, it was basically the same, girl. Like I told you, uh, the bottom used to be old red light district. From the Port of Street, they used to come down there, you had whorehouses, you had all this, you had a club on, two, sometimes two clubs on each corner. And even when, when they shut down the Port of Street and the sailors stopped coming down there, other people from other neighborhoods would come down there and party and everything. So it's always something going on down there. But like you said, our parents and stuff, to keep us away from that, where the prostitution and stuff going, they deliberately tell us stay away from that and going on because they know that they didn't want us to be exposed to that. But the thing about, like I said again about the bottom, is we wasn't no gang and we had, didn't have no leader. The people that we loved and respected, people that we'll listen to it and go know more about the situation than me, I'll sit there and listen to him all day. If I know more about the situation than him, he'll listen to me. That's what we be doing about the exchange of information. It wasn't no, he tell me what to do or I tell him what to do and nobody tell nobody what to do. If I was finna do something in front of, uh, got mad out of my mind, somebody made me mad and I finna do something in front of an old lady, he, he got the authority as a man and as a person down there say, hey, hey, come on, Bam, calm down. You, you know what I'm saying? Because Did that ever happen? You, you ever remember telling Bam to calm down? Well, really, really, I don't have to tell him I didn't have to never tell him because we were so cool with each other and we just didn't never really run into them situation with each other. Uh -huh. I mean, we done had our words. Don't get me wrong. We done had words when we was coming up because that's, that's how it is in the neighborhood. But I know how far to go with Bam. I know I'm not finna try to hurt him. I know he ain't finna try to hurt me. We gonna, we gonna argue today and tomorrow we gonna be doing what we do, gambling together. Uh, Laughing and joking like we normally do. We like, ain't like we family. Yeah, we wasn't the type of person that I'm mad with Bam today, and I carry that anger over a year from now. No, it wasn't like that. We didn't do that with each other. What was your first? Uh, what, what What's your first memory of uh, Bam? Me messing with him when he was at, at, at uh, Steve and Stoke. <laughs> tell, 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 tell me what that is. Hey, man, he's, a, he's always be watching us everywhere we go because he was younger than me. Uh -huh. He's younger than me. So if I'm coming in, in the store, he go watch me. Everywhere I go, he watch him. And I be running him. I run him home and he'll, he'll throw something at me or do something, you know what I mean? As we grow older, we, you know, we start being around each other more and more mm. and more. And then we start, you know, accepting each other really as, as family. You know what I mean? Because I've been knowing him since Bam was, I'm what, I told five, him I used six, to go to private school. Yeah, I yeah, told I him when I used Bam. to go to private school, yeah. most all the mm -hmm. way up until the ninth grade. Yeah. But my guys that my, around my age, we was always off doing something, you know? Uh -huh. And Bam, what was your basketball. first uh, memory of, of, uh, of GOAT? That white, that what was that white Delta 88? Uh -huh, white Delta 88. No, no, it was a, a limit. Limited, yeah, that yeah. white limited. In fact, he used to win all my money all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> as soon as I get up a little money, I come down there and he win it. 
And one of my strategies was, okay, if I got a son in every neighborhood and they're not allowed to fight each other, then it's going to be easier for me to squash stuff in different neighborhoods. Because all I got to do is say, hey, get this son from this son here, get this son, and let them go over there and talk and squash a lot of stuff, which I did get a lot of stuff. And what, what I always heard is that your sons, these, 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 these youngsters that kind of followed you, whatever, that they do anything for, that they have real love for you and they, 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 they follow you anywhere. Well, they love, they lo the love that they had for me was because of the love I gave them. You see what I'm saying? It, it, do you feel and like some, that's what love is in general? And some of them love you as much as they can. So you have to understand who you're dealing with. If a person has not ever been exposed to love, then he can only give you his his, his ideology of love. Mm. So some people love is just sex. So other people love is just following them. So some people love is obedience. So you can they can only love you as much as they can. But you have to accept them for that. You have to accept them when you bring them in there, and then you have to use that to bring situations into their life to help them better. Mm. If you bring situations into life, like I said, I could tell somebody, you know, and I call them my sons because family. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about family. That's why I call the people in the bottom. They, they were my family. Because I seen people call people homies and then stab them in the back later on. Mm. So I, I didn't cut for that homie stuff because I didn't see the reality in it. And it didn't fit how I felt about my people. See what I'm saying? So now when you get to, to where I start calling them sons and stuff and going on, I start teaching them, like say a situation hypothetically, situation where a son, guy owes son a couple of hundred dollars. And he said, hey, hey dad, let's go. Dude owe me $200. I'm going to go up here and do this and do that there. You going to do what? Hold on. Let's, let's, okay, son, let's sit down now. You know, I ain't going to tell you nothing wrong. And we get to adding up and I'll write it down to add up. And then I'll show him a list for like all, all together. We're going to be out of $65,000 burning you out, paying for the other son to get out, paying this here, out, paying your lawyers. So we're going to be out of $65,000 for $200. Do that make sense? So he said he want to steal $200 and you're penning it out exactly how much that's going to cost This is what it's going to cost us. So, so do you want to go here and hurt this dude over $200? Or do you want to let him pay you $10 at a time and no fool with him no more? And you, they, they smart dudes. And they, they, they'll sit there and say, yeah, no, nah, dad, that don't make sense. I know I went against some good, good, good advice before. I went against it several times. You see what I'm saying? Because but, of what? Because your emotion and your heart led you oh, well, into it? Well, people told me, they said, listen, you know, I'm saying hypothetical person, hey, man, that ain't worth it. That ain't worth it. That ain't worth it. Bam, bam, this and that going on. And I heard them out and everything, but they told me that wasn't worth it, but they didn't show me it wasn't worth it. How do you show you it wasn't worth it? Just like I just showed you. you Spell it out. You break it down and you sit here and say, okay, you got this. You got this going. You got this going. And you got this going for you. All these are positive things. When you go do this, this little thing over these tennis shoes, you finna lose all this and lose all this him. The value of this him far outweighs the value of that. So if it don't add up, why would you go do something that don't add up? What about Goat? Like, what was his reputation around uh, the bottoms? What's his reputation around here? I mean, you, you, you got people who wear many hats in the bottom. What they is to one person, they may not be to another. So that's, that's kind of... That's kind of hard. That's that's kind of hard to what say. What is he to you? But gold is to me. I mean, that's that's my old head. That's you know, that, that's my old head. I mean, he been been around. I think he can play basketball like Michael Jordan. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. But other than that, there he's my old head. Now, like I said, he'll tell you we have some. We 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 didn't have some. We had cause I'm hard headed. We didn't have some rounds. But if I ever needed them, he pretty much been there for me. You know what I'm saying. And the thing about it, whether you like it or not, he pretty much gonna tell you something if he don't. 
he don't think he don't think what you're doing is cool. He pretty much gonna tell you. So you gonna have to y'all can argue about it, but he gonna he ain't gonna just sit back and let you do it and don't say nothing about it. I mean, look, at some point you guys became the target of the federal government. You were the target of the police in this city for for a real long time. And it seems to me that there was a lot of fear. You know, there was a lot of fear towards you guys. Fear, fear is, I mean, I mean, if Let's Go want to say so. Well, well, when it came to the police, man, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I ain't give a damn about them, for real, you know, because I know they wasn't right, and I know they was they were racist, you know, and I know they want to come in the neighborhood and think they could do what they want to do to you, and yes, I had to grab a couple of them and and, and slang them, a, a few of them. But they didn't know they didn't know it was me though at the time though because it happened so fast that they didn't really get a chance to see who I really was. You know what I mean? But overall, uh, the police man, they were just they just wasn't right, man. They were there. And do you think that that's part of the reason why y'all needed to be without you guys there? I mean, if you have the you know again the way that it's been explained to me in the bottoms is that you know, the police could come down there and do things to people. And they, it had been going on for years and for years, years and years. Yeah. And is that part of the reason why y'all needed to be there? And what the, one of the services that y'all provided for the community? Well, I think that growing up down there and knowing that how the police, how the police department was when we was kids. And I think as we got older, we learned a lot and we seen a lot. And we just went about to let all that happen to us. You know, the beating you up, police is just beat up. That couldn't guy. happen in the bottoms. It wasn't gonna happen around us at the time. We was, you know, like up in the late 80s and the 90s until we went to jail. No police wasn't finna come down up, down there and beat up no one guy. So was there was there like a distinctive change in the bottoms? Sort of between when y'all were, you know, when when you were a youngster, when you were you were a little bit younger, to that point in the '80s. Like, what happened in the '80s? What happened in the '80s and '90s that changed, or did they change? Well, what what is, what happened was we was we was exposed to more, better than just say our parents. But the police wise, oh man, them people were something else down there, man. They and we just, I guess, when we got up in a certain age, we just weren't gonna let it happen to us like that. You remember the first your your, your first interaction with the police? Your no, first... I, I remember he had no the first interaction with the police. I remember my mom and my dad getting into it, and my mom was complaining about why she couldn't go nowhere with my dad. And my dad always had a souped up car and everything. He used to tell him because he got a small mouth. He said, I got a small mouth. And when the police pulled me over, because he never stopped for the police, but he said, but if the police ever get me pulled over, that they're going to say something crazy, and they probably going to end up killing me. And because you with me, they're going to have to kill you too. He said, you remember him saying that to you? I, I, no, he said it to my mama. That's why he told my mama that he didn't take her nowhere with him, because he knew that the police had him, and he had, he had a smart mouth. And if they ever got him jammed up, and they tried to talk crazy to him and handle him, that he was going to man up, and they were going to end up killing him. And by them having to kill him, they were going to kill her too. But it's just like he was saying, the police is, and this is, this is like I say, the bottom is ideology. It's so many bottoms around the world that people should be able to relate to our stories. I related to them, um, to NWA. When NWA come out with that song about F the police, right? It wasn't because my sister is a police officer, but when she retired police officer. 
it wasn't, it was, it was the closest ideology to our association with the police that I could, I, I seen. That, you, that song, that, that you song, like, so, I hear, yeah, yeah, see, yeah, all my songs that I chose is for a reason. They had a reason. And so I would like the song because when they, number one, Compton, first thing they said, okay, Compton, now all I ever heard about Compton was they the gutter, they the, they, they the slime, they this and that. And going on. So now I hear these people singing and uplifting Compton. So I'm like, okay, that's what they said about the bottom. When we like I told you, we go to the spa, bottom people couldn't be with other folk. We we they put us over there. So I said, okay, that's the way they treat us. But they uplifting their city and they they proud of their area. So I'm proud of the bottom too. So they live just like they lived in Compton. And then you hear them say, I see all these news reports and all this him about the police. Uh, engaged this person and shook their hand and gave them a turkey for Christmas and all that. That didn't happen down in my area. I never seen that side of the police because the police knew that we was a minority area and we was a low income area, so they could get their wreck off. They could come down there and beat people up because the people didn't have money to, to hire no lawyer. People didn't have enough knowledge about the law to file suit and it, based on where they come from, their words wasn't going to be held, so the police could actually get practice ass whoopings on people down there and nothing was going to happen to it. And all the people could do was take the butt whooping and go on inside their house. So when I seen somebody giving a better description of the interaction of my type of people with the police, that's why I gravitated to songs like that. I gravitated to songs where society is saying y'all a slum, but you proud of, you proud of that slum. You proud of that of yours. You're making a song about it and going on. So things like that was the reason that I chose my music because I basically listened to nothing but rock and roll other than that. Like rock but, and roll? Yeah, that's that, that's basically what I listen. You still listen to rock and roll? Yeah, I listen to Motorhead, like Motorhead, Motorhead, Pantera, uh-huh. uh, Corrosion of Conformity, Type O Negative. Yeah, yeah. But you know that's that's what I identify with about that and like what he's saying that when the police come down there and and we not we 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 wasn't we wasn't. We didn't do your role with the village vigilante that the punisher thing. Yeah. We allowed the police to do their job if they did it right. If they come down there and arrest the individual and they did their job, we'll go, we'll, we'll either burn them out or, or whatever. But if they come down there and run somebody's head to the wall or do something like that, then we was we was gonna we was gonna interfere. And you had no you had no problem having a problem with them. No, we had no problem because I mean one thing about it is, we don't respect uniform, we respect men's. Now, if you put on that uniform, the integrity that you're supposed to have for that uniform, I can respect that. But if you have no integrity for that uniform, how do you expect me to respect mm. something that you don't respect? Mm. And you the one took an oath. I didn't even take an oath. And so you, ca- I mean, we were talking a little bit before, you really carried that attitude into prison. Yes, I mean, you sir. carried that attitude. You, you're going to judge you as a man. And if you exactly. if you don't have that, you don't have that. And then this thing that you were saying that your dad said, that like if you if somebody acts a fool in front of you know his lady, if that, that happens, he's going to have to go all the way with it. And he knew that decision going all the way in, right? Now, th- I, I guess what I'm wondering is, that, that's one of the wisest men I, I've ever met. I love that man with all my heart. I've known him very well, so he can attest to this. And I, I'm saying this with respect, but... You know, one thing I've heard about you from a lot of people is, you know, that 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 you don't mess around, and that, uh, you know, if somebody if somebody has a problem with you, if you have a problem with somebody, you're gonna handle it one way or the other. And I'm wondering, one, is that true, and is that something that you think has served you in life? But see, you didn't you didn't, you didn't skip from 
you, you, you know, left A and B and C and all that out, out the equation. Explain. Okay, all right. First thing is, I like to laugh, joke, and have fun because I know how my temper is. That's the first thing. Number two is, I always try to resolve a situation before it becomes a situation. Yeah, you said that. Because I know that if something happened, then I'm too small to sit around and wait for somebody else to act. I, I, I can't be retaliatory because I'm too small. So I can't sit here, I can't wait on nobody to punch me and punch him back. Because if they punch me, I may not get no second punch. But I'm not going to sit here and wait on somebody to do something to me if I know that it's what they call in military, I think, a preemptive strike. Yeah, that mindset overall, how has that served you? I mean, it, it go 50-50. I got 11 bullet holes in me. I've been pronounced dead twice. But they also, again, I'm still alive. So through the grace of God. So, And you're you're deeply respected. I mean, I'd rather be respected for, like, even when I was in prison, I, I used to have conversations with guys all the time. They used to talk, tell me about different things that I did, which I don't consciously pay attention or keep tab of that. But I'd rather be respected for the homeboys I sent home rather than the homeboy that I keep in jail with me. Do you think you can do one without the other? I mean, it depends on your circumstances. It depends on the circumstance. You got to do what the hell, you got to deal with the hand that you've been dealt. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, try to do everything you can to keep yourself out of that situation. Yep. That's the metal jacket. Then it's, if the situation arises, then you pray about it and deal with it. I guess the, the reason why I ask, can you get one with the other? It's the same kind of question I, you know, I ask Goat all the time. Like, I, I, I see the position that y'all are in, and I, I, I see such unbelievable uh, power. I see such unbelievable uh Potential. I know. I know your hearts. I know what y'all want. I know that your love is for the youngsters out there, and I know that you know that the people in this community, and really all over this country, but in this community right here, the youngsters are in a bad way right now, and they got a lot of lot of obstacles ahead of them, and there's a lot of violence going on. And I believe in my heart that because y'all have been in the places that y'all have been, and you have walked that walk, and you've been in that valley, that you're in a position that you can actually lift some people up and change their minds. See, that's what I was telling you earlier and going on. It's guys, when the federal government moved us out the way in order to get that land or uh, on these trumped up charges and all this different reason, whatever. When they moved us out the way, men that had, even though we may have been doing illegal things at that particular time, we still had a moral aptitude. Hey, respect older folks, respect children, help help elder ladies with their cause and going on. We had that. And when you pull us out of the way, People rise to the top who would have never made it up to the top around us because they, we would have seen that they had no no moral aptitude. They lacked that code. They lacked that code, and we would have already had addressed that. They would have never had a platform to speak to the children on. But now when you move us out of the way, now they misguiding all these little children and the little children running around here thinking killing a grandmama and shooting the whole house up with the baby and children is what gangsters do, and gangsters don't do that. And I don't blame the children for it. As so much because I, I can't do nothing but love them because I was in the same boat, even though I had a different set of teaching. But and you I, have folks like him around you to exactly. let you know what was up. And But the thing about it is I have to, as I, I always used to teach dudes in, 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 in penitentiary, when I used to come to a yard, I go out on the yard and I get all the dudes together and I used to tell them, I used to go over the rules with them. And a lot of them would shake their head like, yeah, man, I know. And I could look in their eyes and tell they didn't know but I could not hold them responsible 
until I made sure that they know and they heard it from my mouth. So, and what you're saying is the way that it was in the bottoms, and I'm, I know you would agree that that you feel like the code was laid out. The code was, was very it was laid apparent. out. They catch you doing something, going, I know, man, we don't do that. We don't do that. Don't do that in front of that lady. Don't yeah. do this here, that. Don't, yeah. don't go in that lady yard. Yeah. The, the federal government did this massive sweep. They had a they had an objective in mind. They wanted to get y'all off the street. It was one massive, one massive sting. Is that correct? Yeah, I pretty much say so. What? Why do you guys think that is? What was their motivation? We already knew that they had already had the works in for getting that property. What about ten years prior to yeah, them? Like yeah, they had. We seen the groundwork all on it. And then the dude, Brother Willie X, did the radio show on us. He researched the records and found out they had already been been drawing the lines and drawing this for the for the riverboats. For the casinos. And the, and casinos and everything because they wanted that property. So now they had to turn us from a lizard into Godzilla in order to make us dangerous enough for they can come down on us and get us with their screaming stuff because there's nothing that we did that would made us supposed to have been got sent away for that kind of time. The thing that we were doing, we supposed to got probably seven, eight years, eight years here, eight years here, and we went back out. But that's that's not what they wanted to do. They wanted us out the way because they know that, like like even with the, with the old folks, if I'm I'm not gonna say I'm gonna just say one of my old heads because I got a few of them from go on down. I, one of my old heads, if they go there talking about uh, tell the old lady, hey, we gonna take your house and uh, we'll do this here for you and we'll do this here for you. And you ain't got to pay us back for a hundred years. And later, 87 years old, pretty much letting you know that, hey, she gonna die and they gonna get the property. One of my old heads would go to the lady and say, listen, man, we'll lend you that money, get that thing fixed, get y'all fixed. Don't go stick yourself in that kind of debt. What happened, Goat? What did the federal government do? What was their case? And how did they operate? How did they infiltrate? What, 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 what? But because- But you know, but they, they did, what they done to us, they did it all over the United States. And I met some guys in prison that got busted the same time we did. Who the them the out? government hit their area at the exact same time that we got hit. But the only difference was they was on the East Coast and we was down South. And they even was like, just say we got, they came in the bottom at, uh, at uh, 12, 1140. That's when they come in the bottom. Well, they got them at 1240 on the East Coast, like in Virginia. And I'm like, wow, that's an hour. That's a day an hour and a half of us. So they busted all us at the same time. And I ran up on guys like that up in Cumberland, Maryland. Yeah. And 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 for the same sort of reasons, for property, for for I don't know what they reason was. What do you think the reason was here? Just like Bam said, that boat. The, those those and, casinos. And then they figured, yeah, they figured that if they didn't get us from out the bottom. People winning the money in the boat, coming down there buying drugs and looking for women's or whatever. They may got, they probably gonna get robbed or killed. And so they had to get us out from down there. Yeah. It wasn't no doubt. They had to Or do they would have gone to spend their money down there. They would have yeah. gone to spend their money down there and they don't want the money going there. They want the money going to the riverboat. Right. Where were you the day of the raid? I used to feed people up at my blue house. So I was up there cooking, uh, um, Pork chop casserole. I thought they playing because the police don't usually come in, don't come in the bottom. So it's barely get Because the police at that point had pretty much there was there was very little police presence in the bottom. So now they come through, but the ones who come through, they they, they the, the two or three of them that came through, they played fair with us and they they'll tell us, hey man, we just trying to do our job and we we didn't 
We didn't have no problem with them doing their job. Just don't come down there with that dirty stuff. Can you explain? I've heard go to say, but can you sort of explain the the raid in your words? What it was, what the federal government did. I mean, I was I was in there cooking. Like I said, I was cooking, frying the pork chop to get ready to make it a, a, a pork chop casserole. And dude was knocking on the door saying police. So I thought laughing because I think it's somebody joking. You know how police make it to my door? Because like I said, I used to cook every. I had started after I got shot up that last time. I used to start just cooking every day for people when they come by and they eat. So when they said that, I like, yeah, all right, y'all better get away from that door they're playing before I start answer, I answer back at you. Yeah, yeah. And they said, go on. Then my, my, my son, who, who was in there cooking with me, because I don't like the, I'm real when I'm cooking people food, I don't, I don't like my hands to touch nothing. So he pouring the drink, the gin down my throat and pouring the what's called. So I'm watching, and I'm cooking and going, rep, rep was in there, so I'm going on, so finally, and rep, rep, I said, I said, see who that is playing at the door. And then rep said, that's them for real. And then next day, you know, I took out toward the back room. And I took out toward the back room. I hit the door, but my big snake wouldn't let me get in it because it must have felt the people because my big snake blocked the door. And when my snake blocked the door, somebody tackled me. And the lady voice said, uh, just, just be still, bam, bam. We got you. Be still, bam, bam. Just, just look at the number. Just look at the, look at the letters on on his shirt. Look at the letters on his shirt. And I say, ain't no woman tackling me this hard. I, I know that. So I, I twist around, and I can see the, the uh, lady in the ski mask. I can see the blonde hair coming out on the ski mask. But there was another uh, male officer had me wrapped around, and so and that's when they. They went back there and they finished shoot my snake because at that time I had like a nine foot of uh, uh, Burmese python. And so they finished shoot my snake. Then the man said, no, nah, don't shoot the snake. And they went in and got my snake. Then they went in, got the guns out the back room and, and came on to the front. They made us crawl out on the belly. And I'm just like, man, how do you dudes let the police come up on me? And that's, that's all I kept thinking. How do you police, how do you do, man? I said, man, I got to holler at these dudes. And then I got out and I crawled out and I looked, everybody in the bottom was laid down. I saw that explains everything. It was, it was explained to me one of the largest troop movements of American troops against American citizens on American soil in, in the, the history of this country. Like 250 50 National Guards. And something. Yeah, they had the Army tank thing. They had the helicopters. helicopters. You know, Ledbetter Heights. It's a historic neighborhood. You know what I mean? There, there's been some um, amazing people that come out of there, some amazing uh, culture, change the world. You know, physically, it, it, it got torn down after that. Did you hear about that while you were locked up? What does it feel like now? How many years were you locked up? Uh, 27, a little over 27 years. You know, coming home and seeing the bottoms now, you know, what is that? I heard about it, but like I, like I probably mentioned before, when I'm in jail, I, I, cut off, I cut off everything. You know, my sister, like I said, she's a police officer and a minister and a pastor of a church and going on. So she's, and she at the bottom, but she's not gonna tell me nothing concerning anything illegal, anything such and such. So I never even really heard nothing of it. And I, she's the only one used to, basically I had contact with. She, she sent me my allowance and uh, her and my friend body sent me my allowance. They mm -hmm. sent me the inquisitor so that I could read the Report paper inquisitor. They made sure I got that, so I can get. My Were you reading it? Yeah, yeah. So, get my so you knew, you there. knew that it, it got torn down. Yeah. But and I, what was it like when you came out? And you saw it. Oh, now when I came out and they took me down there, and I, the dude who doing the documentary on me, I went in every spot that I had pictures of, 
and I took pictures in that exact same spot where now it's nothing or it's old shack there and going on just to show what the time had eroded, how time had eroded and going on to, cause we sit in, in, in prison and the time don't pass for us like it passed for a lot of people. And unfortunately, a lot of time we think we gonna come back to the thing that we left out there. And that was a cruel reminder that you, time still continues on while you're in jail. But me, me personally, I have to, based on the fact that I'm not a submissive, I can't really, especially in some in environments I've been in, I can't, you know, I can't be focused on the outside and do what I need to do on the inside. So yeah. I, I basically have to shut that out and live from day to day. And how about you? What, what, what about you when you first seen it? Oh, well, I saw it back in 99. Uh, when I came back to get resentenced in 99 in the U.S. Marshal said, let me take you down through the bottom. And so when he took me Were they me trying down, to be cool with you or they- Well, the, the, the Marshal that took me back to court to get resentenced, they always was cool with me. They brought me through the bottom and I seen how everything had been towed down and stuff. So I was more or less knowing that, you know, it was changing. Did that hurt? Well, it hurt it, you know, but once I got out, out of jail completely, then I knew that life bring about a change. You, you know, that's just part of life. Things change. Ain't nothing gonna stay the same forever. And then I embraced it. What, what do you think about in terms of um, violence on the street? Do you think that there's a, do you think that there's a currency to that? You know, it's something I, I, I was talking about the, with, with these cats in Baltimore. I think there's something about the police where they feel like with each other, you know, if you're known as the kind of guy who will engage in violence, if you're known as the kind of guy who who commits violence on the street, that gets you a certain sort of um, camaraderie. It gets you it gets you the respect of your peers on the police force, and I think that that causes sometimes police to be violent. And I'm just wondering what you feel from from, from your community, the currency of that. You know, I'm gonna put it like this here. Back when we were young, when we was talking about how the police was. I get a police credit back in in back in the days when we was on the street because they would not shoot you in your back. The police is back then, if you run away from them, they ain't finna shoot you in, they, in your back. They ain't gonna even shoot that gun at you, period. Only way they gonna shoot the gun at you back then, you have to do something with a weapon on you towards them. But the police of the day, they are cowards. They are real cowards, for real. Any police, any man shoot another man in his back is a coward. That's simple as that. If, if I'm in tour with a guy and I got a gun on him and he turn and walk away from me, ain't no way in hell I'm going to shoot that guy in his back. I ain't going to do that. That's me. That's me do you see being that same? Do you see that same thing on with, with uh, the kids on the street with the with, with the, the kids messing around in the gangs? If you a, see that if same a mentality. Kid on the street shoot another kid in the back. He is a coward. Do you see more of that now? That do you think that that's changed well, now than I don't it was know when y'all because were? only thing I ever hear about it is the killing after the fact. You know, like if I'm I'm not in the streets no more. I don't. You know, I may holler, pass through. Cause I got my own life I'm living now. Mm -hmm. I don't live the life of the streets no more. I follow God now. So the kids that's out there in the streets nowadays, they don't have no respect for one another. They, if I look at guys 
when I was coming, when we was coming up, and I know guys from practically every neighborhood, and no matter what them guys was doing, we all had respect for one another. We, like Bam say, we know how to communicate with each other without trying to kill each other. You know what I mean? But to look at a person and say, I don't like him, and then he say something to me, I say something to me, and then I want to kill him? Mm. No, man, that ain't that ain't life. Yeah, yeah. That ain't what life is all about. You can uh, disagree with, uh, you can have a disagreement with anybody without killing them. There's something about, uh, I remember you once said to me, but that 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 uh, growing up in the bottom, though, you 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 needed to learn how to fight good. Like you needed oh, yeah. to learn you how to handle yourself. Like what, what I'm trying to get at. Like what does that get you? Well, it don't get you nothing, but that you could go places. And people's gonna respect you when they know you were a fighter. If they know you'll fight back, and anybody in the bottom know you'll fight back, you can hang out with them guys. Them guys don't want nobody around them if they don't know, if they want me to fight. Yeah. You never know. If I run up on some guys somewhere, you think I want a guy with me that ain't gonna fight? Yeah. You're gonna help me fight? Yeah. If I have to, if I need help, I need help. Yeah. If yeah. it's two or three guys, I ain't finna beat up no two or three guys. Now, I might get lucky and get two of them, but yeah, it's yeah, gonna yeah. be hard to get three or four of them. Yeah, there you go. I want somebody with me that I know gonna stand there. If they gonna beat us up, they gonna beat us up together. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. But these guys, nah, they don't fight no more. We, you, we was taught to fight, but you was also taught to respect the fact that if you lose, ain't nothing wrong with losing as a man. See, these kids right now, they lose a fight and they go get their gun and wanna kill the dude. As long as you fall back and you lost as a man, we was taught to respect that too. Yeah. At least you didn't run. Yeah. These fights that you lost allowed you to get better at your ability to fight. Yeah. Right now, these kids can't take a loss. They want to kill after every fight. One of my partners down there in uh from California, he sit there and we thought he was him and this old man, old man out of Philadelphia. We seen him go in the cell. We thought he was fighting the old man. And we we hear them, we hear them fighting the Punches going on in the cell, man. We, I go get a couple of his homeboy. We go to the door, man. We say, look here, G, you, I know, we, you know, you ain't. We, we snatch the door. We know you ain't in there fighting that old man. And he said, no, nah, man. And then he, they, he had the pads. He was hitting the pads. He said, man, I'm from California, man. I've been shooting since I was 11 years old. I never had the chance to learn how to fight. Wow. He said, y'all dudes. He said, the Philadelphia dudes know how to box. The DC dudes know how to box. Y'all southern dudes is cockscrewing. He said, man, I gotta learn how to fight. I mean, that's true. He story. said y'all southern dudes are cock strong. That's yeah, what he that's said. He said y'all southern dudes cock strong, man. Y'all, we can't, I can't, he said, I gotta learn how to fight. He said, I never had that. Well, how'd you learn how to fight so good? Cause I heard I heard you're pretty legendary. I don't think I'm I don't I don't think I classify as a good fighter. I just classify being tenacious. I won't stop. Cause I mean, I lost with two bit. You remember two bit? Yeah. Too bad put my bicycle on flat. And that, that country son gonna could fight. Mm. That son gonna beat me up seven times. And the eighth time, every time he come down there, I told him, you gonna, we gonna fight or you gonna fix my bike. I lost every fight we had. <laughs> but I bring that bike right to him. That eighth time, he said, man, come on, go get that bike. Let me fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so I, I, it wasn't about always win. I was just tenacious. I, I wasn't gonna, if you get tired for me, then you can kiss the baby. Yeah, there you go, there you go, and uh, I mean, what happens when you when when you're looking at a sentence when you're looking at a sentence like you guys were looking at? What does that do with your mentality? I mean, you told me that you know you had to sort of be a different person in there than you are 
out here, obviously. Did, did that come immediately? I'm, 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 I'm gonna say this, right? And and I, I didn't realize what I had until I got to the federal system, because I, I, I took, I ain't gonna say I took for granted. But when we went to trial, we were the same people we was on the street. We were supportive of each other, we dealt with each other, we going on with each other. And when we got in there and dude said, man, I be talking good about my co-defendant. They said, man, man, you talking with your co-defendant, man, forget that, my co-defendant. Hold on, no, nah, man, my co-defendant went to trial with me. I ain't got nothing bad to say about my co-defendant. All my, we all went to trial together and going on. And then I had to explain to them, man, the dude who testified against you is not your co-defendant. Because your co-defendant mean that he defended yourself against that charge with you as your co-defendant against that charge. If he took the prosecutor's side, then he's not your co-defendant. So that was that, that was uniform among all the people. That hey man, when that when them dudes got there and they told dudes was telling me from Baltimore, all these other dudes like, man, we were watching y'all trial, man. We ain't never seen that many dudes stick together against the wow. fence. How many people was it? It was all together, it was 13 of us. And and everybody and nobody said nothing on anybody. Nobody said nothing. They went and got dudes from other places. Went and got my brother. Went and got people from other places facing other charges and brought them in. Half of the people we didn't know, half the people we had didn't know, just spoke to, or took a picture with. But yeah, they didn't. Nah, you you we had opportunity. I remember they 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 come to me with deal. They come to goat with deal. And, and man, man, you can take that and sure. Why would I give a man some time I don't want? Mm. No, no, nah, we don't do it like that. I'm not gonna get no man no 35 years for me to go home in five years. And was that something that all you guys just is it, that's just who you are? When the, when they asked me, said, you know, is there anything you want to tell me? I said, yeah, get my lawyer. And he said, you gonna get a you gonna get a whole lot of time. I said, I don't give a damn. And I walked off. Did you not give a damn? I didn't. I because you give, just knew there. I mean, there was just no way you were gonna say anything against anybody. I wasn't gonna say against nothing against none of them. I'm gonna tell you this though. <laughs> Val really made me. He, he really he really uh, had me laughing at it because he said, you know what, man? He said, Gold, I ain't gonna lie to you. He said, man, I really thought you were going to say something. <laughs> Why'd you say that? He said, because uh, I had never been in jail. No, you I never been in jail. I, all bro. the stuff I used to do, I just you never got caught doing nothing. So the you know first time you've ever been locked up, you're doing, time, what was your sentence? Uh, 29 years or four So you months. get 29 years. No, no, I, but but that. You, what were you sentenced to? 29, 29 years. years. In, tw in four and months. four months. Uh -huh. So you got sentenced to 29, four, and you had never been locked up before. No. You never even been in jail? Well, I've been in jail for like gambling and yeah. up to the city jail, but just for a, a weekend. court, and they gave me two or three years or something like that. I went to the farm school when I was yeah, yeah. 15. Yeah, I remember but that. But that ain't nothing up. But I'm yeah. talking about just for going to jail. No, I had never been in jail. So that one took a bail. <laughs> yeah. That one took a me with bail. I said, bail. Just think about all the stuff I used to do. I said, I just never did get caught doing yeah, none yeah. of it. I remember me and Doug was up there. Me and Doug, I would try. I said, Doug said, that when you come over there, you should listen, man. I Listen, man. I, I'm in this here too, man. I ain't trying to. I said, I said that's all going there. Yeah, he made a believe out of me. But that's what they done. They come to me and they offer me five years to say, not not tell the truth on them, but to say some stuff against him and go and done that they had in, in, in book. That's when I tried to slap my lawyer. I tried to slap my lawyer. And then that's my you lawyer. You tried to slap him? Yeah, I tried to slap him. They started making me come in with with the, with the hand because he was trying to make you lie on 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 go. Yeah, well, he had brought this deal to me, and then I had this white guy named Joe Allen Bound. 
He did he did this book called The Secrets and Tools of Post-Conviction Relief. And he was down there in the cell next to me. And I had my wife bringing him a TV because she had to have everything brought to you in the city. And he was telling me, man, you need to get rid of the lawyer. So I filed to get rid of the lawyer. And they gave me a hearing on it. And then the lawyer was explaining. Uh, uh, Elton, Elton Richard was explaining to me, listen, man, you are my client. I got to do what's best, your best interest. He said, the prosecutor offered me this deal to give you five years if you would testify to these things against them. He said, but I, it's my job. He said, I don't represent them. I represent you. It's my job to bring that to you. So I didn't mean, he said, I told him. I used to be a, he used to be a police down there named a mustache. He said, I used to be a police down there. He said, ask the, he said, judge, didn't mean you get into it because I told you, I said, you're going to need to pay us some money up front because these guys here are going all the way. And you threatened to put me in the basement. He said, yeah, you, you did say that thing going on. He said, yeah. He said, but man, if you're going all the way to trial, I'm going all the way with you. He said, but I have to bring this to your attention. He said, I had to bring the deal was offered. And that's when the prosecutor said, you know what? I'm going to make sure you get the most time of all. And then that's when they went and got my brother. You said that? I'm going to make sure you got going to get the most yep. time of all? You, you know, kind of meeting you when you had first got down and you just seemed like you were full of uh, just gratitude. And and um, I've often said about you, about you that you, you you got peace of mind unlike anybody I've ever really met. You you know, you've had real sort of beautiful triumphs and, and, and beautiful things kind of happened in your life since you got out. And then you've also had some tragedies you've been through. But what did you learn? Well, being locked up, you know, you, you uh, well, me, by it being my first time, you know, I wasn't trying to let the time do me, you know? I know I learned how to adjust to the situation. And uh, I got along pretty well with all of the guys that I mostly come around, you know, because I like sports. A lot of them love sports. We played ball, played basketball. Well, I ain't played football, I was too old for that then. <laughs> But basketball, I stayed on that basketball court and handball. I did a lot of working out and just kept myself physically in, in shape, you know? Then I started doing, I was doing a lot of reading and stuff. And really, I was trying to keep my mind out of the prison system. I wasn't trying to be no, uh, what you call it, uh, have a mind of just staying incarcerated. You know, I just tried to keep myself away from that. I stayed, I did a lot of my time on the phone talking to my kids, kids, mama, and all that type of stuff, few of my friends and stuff like that. But overall, I just tried to keep myself in a positive attitude all the time. I didn't like negative around me in jail. When I come around, if a guy come around me and I hear him speaking a lot of negative talk, I didn't want them guys around me, so I stayed away from around them. Were you like, but were you like that before you got locked up? Well, I always been a positive person. Even when I was doing wrong, I, I I I always have been positive, no matter what. And I don't like people. I don't. I just don't like negative stuff mm. around me. And 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 I'm more rather just stay away from around you if it got to be conversation always negative. Yeah. I never felt like I wasn't coming home. And, but, and bam, you, you, you felt like you, you, you didn't feel that way, right? No, we was kind of opposite in our thinking on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm real interested in that. What was your thinking? My thinking was, I mean, all I got is the day. You know, I was dealing with it one day at a time. You know, I know you, you ended up 
in Supermax, but how did that happen? Like, what what what, what went down? Well, Supermax, Supermax came. I'm not gonna say ironically, cause everything God do for a purpose. Through the long situation of me being locked up, the first thing, like I said, my sister was a police officer and she's a minister. They went and got my big brother and put my big brother up on the stand for three days and got him to tell a lot of lies against me and our homeboy, stuff that he that he never even seen, didn't never even happen. And so it was hard Did for me. Did he grow up in the bottoms too? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. My, my brother been there in Gola, been there at Louisiana State, Golden Glove, Boxer, everything. But that that was the hardest thing. So when I hit jail, I was angry. When I hit hit Florence, I was angry. I had a lot of anger. It scared the needles, but finally got me some tattoos because I was so angry <laughs> and everything. You know, I like I used to tell people all the time I'd rather be shot with a gun than stuck with a needle. Mm. But anyway, I got in there, I had a lot of anger going through this, and my sister was always telling me that I had to forgive and for let that go and forgive and all this and that. And she, cause she loved both of us, cause we both were. And most of your anger was about your brother and your brother testifying against you? Yeah, it was, it was basically about him, cause he's my big brother. I looked up to him and everything, and then he do that to me, and I did everything I could for him. So in dealing with that, my sister, she 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 would stay no matter what. She write me a letter, send me my allowance, and I tell her, don't tell me that no more. She steady. That was gonna always be in the letter. She gonna she gonna put some scripture in there. She made sure I had Bible. She gonna put scripture in there. She kept on. She kept on until about like last twelve years. I sit there and I got to pray and I said, Well, God, you telling me I don't do I don't do the hypocrisy thing. I said, You telling me forgive somebody? I don't know how to forgive. How I forgive this dude? This dude get up here and do this here to me. And, and all I did for this dude, and I said, I don't, I don't know. I said, I, I don't know how to play like I forgive him, so so, so help me. And so I had three dreams in a row. A, ha- a hand pick up a hammer, and the hammer, and it would, the hand would hit me in the head with the hammer, then throw the hammer down, and I would run over there and start hitting the hammer while the hand was moving behind me. And then, so on that third time, then it, I said, why is you fool? Why is you steady fighting the hammer when it's the hand that done did the damage to you? Then that's when I told it to my sister. And she said, that's, that's God showing you that your brother was just a tool used against you. Your brother wasn't your actual enemy. The devil was your enemy and your brother was a tool used against you. So I prayed and prayed about it. And then mm-hmm. that, that gave me the ability to be able to forgive my brother. So now I said, okay, if I can forgive my brother, then I can forgive everybody who testified against me because they were used in the same fashion. So that's when I took it from there and I said, okay, well, the slate clean with me. Everybody, I forgive everybody who, the folks, because in, in actuality, the way we live, some of these people, mamas, had dope charges, simple dope charges, and the Fed threatened these people, mama, with 30 years and 20 years yeah. if they didn't testify against us. And now me, I came out to jail I pretty much got my health. I pretty much got my insanity. If somebody's mama had got 35 years for me, I couldn't say that. Yeah. I'd have went crazy in there. You see what I'm saying? So so anyway, I dealt with that and uh got past. I had called myself changing my life. So when I changed my life, they put me in a cell with, they got this crazy dude that they tried to put in a, put in a cell with me. He was a mental patient. 
And I told them constantly, because I had tied up my cellar, because he tried to rape this little white kid on the compound. They put him in there with me, so I had tied him up and, 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 and throwed him out the cell. So anyway, when they started the smooth thing, they bring the mental patient, they kept putting him in the cell with people. And what they would do is they'll put him in there and then they'll stop giving him his medicine. And when they stop giving him his medicine, then he go paranoid and going on. So when you cuff up to go to wreck, he'd either cut you with a razor or while you cuffed up or he'd beat you with locks and socks. So everybody had started beating him first. So he was all beat up and everything. So when they tried to put him in the cell with me, I said, no, nah, man, because I had made up in my mind that I wasn't going to hurt nobody else. So I said, no matter what, I'm not going to hurt nobody else. So they tried to force him in the cell with me, and I wouldn't take him in the cell with me. I said, because I'm not going to let him hurt me, but no, I'm not going to hurt anybody else. So they tell me, well, you're going to take him in the cell, and we're going to put you in restraints. I said, well, that's what y'all going to have to do. And they put me in restraint for 45 days for refusing him as a seller. And that's why that's Wait, why did they put you in restraints? Because I refused him as a seller, and by me refusing him as a seller, that was starting it was starting uh, what they call it a domino effect. Other dudes started turning down their sellers instead because what they was doing, it was it was basically for money. But yet and still, when they claim that special management unit is for people who so violent, they have to have a certain amount of violence. So they were putting people in there who was not compatible with each other, like when Motown killed this seller. Like five sellers had got killed right while I was there. And that's when my lawsuit went into play because that's why I can't feel nothing in my hands right now because the, by the time they took the restraints off of me, after 45 days, some some of the inmates had contacted the lawyers and told them because I was writing, when I see them do something to somebody else, I would write the lawyers. And so some inmates wrote, wrote the lawyers and said, hey, bam, I'm always writing you for the stuff they do to the other folk. Now he done disappeared. We ain't seen him in 28 days. So finally they got down there and they had to go get the governor of Pennsylvania and the government of Pennsylvania sent their assistant down there and told them they had to release me from restraint, but they couldn't release me that day because I had been in restraint so long that my skin had grew over the handcuffs. So they had to soak my hands in the red stuff and then they had to cut my skin open to get the get the handcuffs out. So that's when they let my lawyers got down there and they took my case and that lawsuit been going on. So when I wouldn't drop the lawsuit, they would just come in and like, a lot of the good, like I said, a lot of the police, all of them wasn't dirty. Like, let's show them, they'll come and tell me, say, man, you know they gonna come visit you tonight. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, be ready. And then they'll come down there, Richardson, cuff up. I said, cuff up for what? Cuff up, you just threatened my officer. I just threatened your officer. They'll come in there, going on, I cuff up, and then they take me down there, they rough me up, put me in restraint. Then that's when one of the lieutenants, Lieutenant Bernard, told me, said, hey, listen, man, I don't trust some of my coworkers. He said, listen, do not be cuffing up, because when you cuff up, they do not have to have a camera on you. If one of them something's gonna hurt you going down that step, it's they word against your, Against your words. The, the, the lieutenant told you this? The lieutenant. He just, he, so he said, refuse handcuffs. He, he, he said, because he said, I don't trust some of my coworkers. He says, these they, they young, they young lieutenants, they, they, they gung-ho. He said, so listen, you always been straight with me. That's what they tell my sister. When my sister used to call that everybody, they said, listen, he one of the most respectable dudes I ever met. He said, if you talk to him, he'll stand down. But if he's in the right, he, he wants something dead about it. He said, but if you, you go to him talking crazy and going on, then 
he gonna he gonna make you go all the way. He said, but if you go talk to him right, he said, I never had no problem with it. And Lieutenant Bernard told told me, he said, I'm telling you, make them bring the camera, make them do the full everything. He said, because I'm scared one of them gonna be taking you down these steps, they're gonna be them broke your neck, mm-hmm. and then they're gonna say. So I had to start making sure that they they I couldn't cuff up for them. I had to start making sure they go get the camera and everything, and they go get the camera. And once they get the camera, they gas me and they take me out. But at least I had the camera on me, so therefore they couldn't. They couldn't. So then that me. would be the process every time they wanted you. Every time, almost two hundred times. So they come to your cell. They come to your cell. They tell you you need to leave. They say cuff up. You say I'm not gonna cuff up. Now what they'll do? They'll come to cell and say first they come to me and they try to talk me into dropping the lawsuit. They told me they would put me on the a lawsuit, the original lawsuit off the, the forty-five lawsuit. days. They told me they would they would put me on a compound. They would get me out of special management unit. And they would put me on compound, and I said, "No, what about changing y'all tactics and the way y'all deal with people? If y'all ain't gonna do that, then ain't no need talking to me." So then they come back again, and they said, "Listen, we can get you a, a, a I think they call it a downward departure. They said we can help you with a downward departure and going on by you not costing the government, not costing the government." We could get some time cut off your sentence. I said, no. I said, if they're not going to change this, I don't care what they're trying to give me. If they're not going to change this him for these old people and all these other people that are going on, then I'm not going for it. And then I stuck to it. And that's what they ended up getting me sent to uh, uh, Florence. They said, because when I started doing that, other inmates stopped, said, well, I ain't going to do my selling, man. You know, y'all going to have to do me. I ain't going to do my selling. So, because... Like I said, about five sailors had been killed in like a year period of time, and and dudes was cutting as soon as they sailors get in, in, in uh, cause the police would sit there and say, well, I don't see no blood. And yeah, During yeah. that same process, guys refusing to cuff up. Yeah, they it, were getting killed in that process. Yeah, it's, it, I got I got newspaper clippings of my lawsuit and everything. They show you how many was killed and and, and so bam, so you so you know that's coming in. You know, you 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 know these other folks being killed by doing that. They're coming into you, telling you to cuff up, and what are you telling yourself? They there just ain't no way you're gonna break. You just no, you, no, you can't do that there because if you ain't got a cause to stand for, then man, you just I mean, it ain't worth living. It ain't worth living if you ain't got something that you believe in enough to die for it. So, and that was just my thing. I had made up in my mind all the stuff I did for the devil. I had made up my mind to God that I wasn't gonna put my hand on nobody else. And even when the officer who, who I got into it with, they they can say what they want to. I never I never put my hands on them. To have suffered what you suffered in that situation, and then to make to 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 follow through with this case and actually make that change, you could keep that from happening to somebody else. Well, what they did was Obama had bought this prison in Thompson. You remember he bought Thompson, Thompson, Illinois. He bought that prison in Thompson, Illinois. Obama had bought this prison, but they hadn't staffed it. So what they did was they took smooth. And they shut all the smooth down. And they, moved. They, they shifted all the who? They shut all the smooth down, special management unit, the one that was using the tactics that 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 I suffered. They shut all those down when I lawsuit, when I lawsuit got in like the into one of the final phase, because I, I they asked me to let them make a class action. So we made a class action to include everybody who couldn't couldn't go all the way like I went. So now what they did was they opened up Thompson and they staffed Thompson first with the cadre, then they staffed it. And what they did, they took shut down all the smooth and they put all the uh, uh, all the special management unit inmates in the Thompson prison. 
Then they took all the stuff that we had suggested. They took all the stuff that we suggested because I had suggested in bringing people on the range and putting them in the cells and let them be by themselves until they can get a compatible cellar and then get together with them, make sure the cellar was compatible, take give them a couple of weeks and then put them together as opposed to just stuffing them in the cell with somebody right off the bus and going on to decrease the possibility of somebody hurting each other. And then they reduced the time from it being an 18-month program to a nine-month program. So everything, and they got more educational programs, and they got more outside rec. So now they done did all those things. So when we went before the judge, they said, your class action suit is mute because they're no longer is the smooth because they moved them all to Thompson. And all the tactics in, tactics in which you was complaining about has already been addressed. So my lawyer says, we have we won, even though they made our my, my class actions moot, we won because we got them to do everything. Did you feel like you won? Well, if the inmates came out better, then I won. Yeah. But I still got my punitive suit going on for my personal damage. For my, is that against the is that against the individual yeah, officers that did it? Yeah, yeah, against the 14 that did it. I still cause my eyes, that's why I had to wear the shades. I got photo. All the gas, they used to leave it like when they gassed me, they would they wouldn't wash my eyes, and so the gas scarred my corneas or something. So it's like that's why I light. I got photosensitive clock, but light hurt my eyes. That's why I have to wear these all, all the time. Was there anybody for you in your your time locked up? Um, did you meet anybody that, that that you feel like changed your life or inspired you? I met this one guy. Uh, his name was John. He had been locked up like 27 years when I first met him. I used to talk to John. John was a Muslim. He had ended up being a, in the nation, Islam. And I used to talk to him all the time. And he used to give me some real good knowledge about situation around the prison, you know? And I used to listen to him. He was about, John was about six, about six, 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 five, six, six, and strong as an ox. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I learned a lot from him. And uh, I think, I don't know if John's still alive or not, because they sent him off to a, a medical prison. And when I made it home, I called his sister, and she said he wasn't doing well. The mm. counselor had started getting mm. messing with him. Mm. And he's supposed to been getting ready to go home way before, for, way before me. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. So I don't know if he alive or not today. But he sort of, you know, he was an inspiration to me. I really used to listen to him. Yeah, but my son's grandmother, yeah, she really used to tell me about praying. I was listening to Bam about the uh, forgiveness. Yeah, and that's what I that's what I used to pray for, pray all the time. And then I asked God to forgive me for all of the stuff them guys did. And anything I did to anyone else, I asked for forgiveness. And that looked like it just made my time that much easier and simple. Yeah. I mean, it was like, like it was like just waking, if you wake up in the morning, you was all right. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. that's how I used to be with my days. Yeah. Got along with it. I thought getting along with everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah. I mostly mostly got along with everybody anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, I know how to adjust to situation, you know? Yeah. And how how many years has it been now that you've been home? 
10 years, uh -huh. 10 years in, uh -huh. in, in a couple of months. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's great. <laughs> and what's most important to you right now? What's, what, 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 what's my most family. important to you? Your family. My family. My family is most important to me right now. My children, my grandchildren, my wife, you know, my friends and their families, and church, mm. God. Mm. I give God all the praise, all the honor, all mm. the glory. Mm. Because I think that if, when I came home, I said I was going to go to church, right? I ain't said I was going to go to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. But I said I was going to go to church and thank God. And I ain't been out of church since. Mm. No more than when that pandemic came up. Yeah. Other than that, I've tried to be in church every Sunday, praising, giving him all the honor, all the glory. Yeah. And just magnify his name. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. And, and that's... Without God, I don't know. When I came home without him, I don't know if I would be where I'm at today. Yeah. Because I don't know if I would have went back the other way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But with him, I know he guided me in the right direction. What do you want to do now? Basically, my main thing, whatever I do, is going to be in the line of serving God. Number two is I want to reach out to the children and try to do something constructive to try to give back a little bit from some of the things that I may have been a part of. And also, like I said, I go downtown on Mondays and Tuesday, pass out sandwiches to the people just to try to give back. And I try to do my videos to the children to try to reach them. And, you know, the thing is to try to reach them out of love because you can't sit here and try to tell somebody something about doing something different with their life when you actually have them invested into their life, you mm. know. And that goes for a politician or church people or whoever. If you sitting up there in that nice church house and you ain't, or you sitting up there in a nice politician building and going on, and you don't know the pain of what these people are going through and you're not actually investing time, money, or whatever into their life, then you really don't have no say. So what 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 can you tell me? That's right. Is when I'm hungry, my stomach is growling, and you sitting there in your nice office with your nice suit of going on, but you telling me this and that, what's good for me. If I create a hotline, we don't want no names, don't want no information, just say, okay, what's the situation here? But man, what about if a dude step on this dude's shoes and they're going on, okay, dude step on this dude's shoe, what this dude wanna do? Dude wanna go back and bless him. All right, the dude who wanna go back and bless this dude, what do we have going on in his life? Do we have a mother? Do we have a child? Do we have a job? Do we have a car? So you find out the thing that he got, how you feel about them. Oh, he love his mama, he love his child, he love this, he love this, okay. Now you get to the point where you ask him, say, well, let me ask you this here. At what point in time in this dude's situation did he stop loving his mama, his children, and all that there? Now he still love him. How can he still love him if he ready to forsake all them for a mm. pair of $60 tennis shoes? Mm. I said, now, you know what I'm saying? You can't be a genius and a dummy at the same That's time. Right. So which one is it? And then you get him to think about this here. And if you stop this guy from going killing somebody, you just save two lives and two families from suffering. The people you were closest with, like right now, the, the, those people who are still out there in Florence, or them people that you were close with, do you, do you feel like they're like-minded? I mean, like how long? I've been, I told you, I've been around uh, Larry Hoover, Wayne Perry, Jeff Ford. All of those individuals, are. Uh, those dudes are not the people that they used to be. Those dudes have a different mindset, and people are not let, giving them the opportunity. Right. They're judging them by what they used to be. Wayne Perry, 
that man is the dude has got a good heart. I don't care about how many people he murdered or whatever. The dude has seen a change and this dude, they do not give him the platform because if you give him the platform, he would sit there and actually talk down some of this stuff that's happening. Same thing with Larry Hoover. Larry Hoover, he would talk down some of this stuff that's going on. He don't support that no more. The man constantly would tell me, he said, man, I'd rather be out there on the street picking up can than be a legend in prison. That's, that was his exact word to me. He the one started doing my legal work when my co-defender went home. Big done. This dude, these dudes has got different mindset. You give that man opportunity to come home, that man come out here with a different mindset. Mm-hmm. He gonna be able to reach a lot of children. But they don't want to give him that opportunity because, and I can only I can only think that they really don't want the problem solved. Mm-hmm. Because it's not economically sound for them right. to get the problem solved. They make more money being able to lock people up by having detention centers instead of having detention centers where they give attention to people's situations and try to help them, they can just lock them up and make $75 a day off of them. Right. But that dude, Larry Hoover, Jeff Ford and all them dudes, old dudes, they, and they, what they was in their past and all that, those dudes got a mindset for the communities. They don't like what they seeing going on out there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, this is, I ain't talking what somebody else told me. I've been around, these are dudes with my partners. I've been around these guys. These dudes are solid men. These dudes ain't changing, just like with me. These dudes ain't changing their way because they scared of nothing. Mm-hmm. They changing their way because they realize it don't make sense no more and they hate to see these children going through what they going through. I give them respect. Them dudes are sincere. They got a sincere heart. Ain't nobody make them do nothing. Them dudes to make a conscious decision. They're very intelligent men. You know what I'm saying? And I know, I believe in my heart, based on talk to them. They didn't have to lie to me. They didn't have to lie to me. I accepted them the way they was. And them dudes sit there, and and would come some of the conversations, Wayne Perry used to talk me down all the time. Silk, he, he used to talk me down sometimes, and the folk get me mad. This is just, just, He's not about that. Mm-hmm. He's, he, the dude, he was young when he, when he got caught up, did certain stuff. He's not even crying about getting out. He still want to do something productive while he's in and there. While he's in there, yeah. Yeah, put him on a compound, let him do something productive. Same thing, yet still you use his past against him and keep him locked up behind that wall and, and, and keep him isolated where he can't be effective to trying to help this. Same thing with Larry Hoover. This dude, give him a chance. This dude, like I say, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be speaking on these dudes if, if, if I feel like these dudes were some crime, credit, some dude. These dudes, is, they, number one, I respect them because they men, they ain't scared of nothing. And number two, I respect them because they got a good heart. Number three, because they made a conscious decision that, hey, man, I'm tired of seeing these children get hurt. I'm tired of seeing this thing going on. These, these are my people. These are my people. I don't like this. No, I don't like this here. And, 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 and I can't. I understand them because I love my people. Yeah. And, and I definitely understand what they're going through, man. And I just, you know, I pray. I pray one day he'll get that opportunity. But they, they, they're different individuals. You know, I've been around some who, 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 who's still unforgiving and, and still like that. So that's why I know the difference. I got some don't care if the world burn right now. I've been around some don't care if the world burn. But those individuals, nah, they they just, they, they punish them because of their past. But those dudes want to be part of something different. We all got gifts from God. And 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 like I said, God is a God who reapeth what he do not sow. Well, he may plant, talk to somebody. I may come here and water it. Yep. Then somebody may see them reap it. So whatever part we do it, if we're doing it for the benefit of the children, especially doing it under God, then it's just as important as as my part. It's just as important as his part. 
You know what I'm saying? Do what our assignment is. His assignment may be to pass him out handkerchiefs. My assignment is to pass him out chicken. Yeah. His assignment is to pass him out water. Don't pay, waste our time watching what he's doing and miss our own assignment. Whatever God to put in your heart to do, as long as he's doing something. You know, I, I, me, I'm personally, I'm not a believer in racing to the church house and passing somebody that's got a wreck or, or, or got, a, got a flat on the yeah. side of the yeah. road. Yeah. That, it's that's out there the, in front of you. Yeah, that's out there in front of me. That's I think right. God said, you know, Matthew 12, that 28, 32 down to 42, that this you didn't do for the least of my brother, you that's didn't right. do for me also. So, I mean, that's that's my thing. If I see somebody needs some help, I do it right then. If I get a chair to minister there, I minister right then. If I don't get the opportunity, then I keep on moving. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to force it on nobody because the help is coming regardless. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to give it to them regardless. But if, if they open up to that, but I'm not going to force nothing on them. That's why when I speak to these children about different things, I don't want the enemy to be able to use it and say, well, he's just talking to Christians or he's just talking to this type of people. He's just talking. I'm talking to everybody. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking to everybody who willing to listen on slowing down on some of this violence. What is your goal? You know what I'm saying? You got the wrong, you got a Boulder City roadmap and you're trying to navigate through Shreveport and you're trying to wonder why you keep running into roadblocks. Yeah. You got the wrong roadmap. You see what I'm saying? You know, I can't tell you what to, how to choose your life and going on, but I do know that that sensitive violence don't make sense. You know what I'm saying? It don't make sense and they're only going to bring so you heat you think it's it. specifically the violence? Like that's- I mean, the violence is not going to allow you to accomplish any kind of goal you want. I ain't never seen a man in, I was down there with El Chapo. I was down there with a tour. They folk got, they millionaire. They got $15 million on the books. They had to eat the same soups I eat. They had to eat the same, in the Supermax, you got the t- the Unibomber, all them people. They, these folks got, got, some of these dudes got, million dollars on their book, but they got to make the same store that I make. So what good it do you to be a millionaire and you sitting up in jail? That's right. So it, it serves you no purpose. And that's the thing about it is align yourself with your goals. Okay, what your goal is to make money? You can't make money if you every few minutes you you buying, you burning yourself out of jail or you getting a lawyer or you got a murder case and going on. You know what I'm saying? Eventually you gonna when you when you get unlucky, you're lucky if you if you if you get out of jail on them. When you finally get unlucky, you're gonna be dead. Mm. Either way it goes, you're not trying to. You know, your goal don't make sense. You got a self-destructive goal. Cause I used to laugh at the nerds and people, nerds in the square that were going to work and going on. When I was sitting in jail, I realized they were smarter than me. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yep. <laughs> you feel the same, huh? Yep. Because yeah. it was fun, right? I mean, it was fun while it lasted. Like if you if you look back, like in the early '90s, late '80s. You know, I mean, if you if you think about that life, was it fun? Were you anxious? Were you nervous? Like, well, what was that know, life like? It was it was fun because you having to you you having it your way. You know, you able to go anywhere you want to go, do what you want to do. You can go spend four or five thousand dollars over here, and then when you come back, you may have ten thousand waiting on you, or twenty thousand waiting on you. Yes, that was that was fun, but. It was consequences behind it, and then it was it was your conscience too, because you got to watch, you got to watch the jackers, you got to watch the police, you got to watch the uh, the snitches. You it's, you watching everybody, you always constantly watching everybody. Do you feel like you were happy back then? I wasn't happy. I thought I was. Oh, I thought I was happy with the nice, all the diamond rings on and the gold changes and. The, Big Cadillac in a Jaguar. Yeah, I thought I was happy. 
But when I went to jail, I realized I wasn't happy at, at all. Cause at nighttime, when you wake, when you go to bed, and you don't hoping nobody don't. The, the, well, really, I want to hope worrying about the guy. I'm hoping the police don't kick my door down. Yeah, that's who I'm most. I ain't worried about nobody else. I'm worried about the police. Mm -hmm. You know. And you always looking over your shoulder. You watching everybody. You know what I mean? For police, you know, you got to watch everybody because you don't know who they is. Uh, well, I could sort of spot them. <laughs> I used to, I used to spot them a little bit, you know. But but you 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 constantly you constantly watching over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And now I don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. at peace. I could I could just. Rip and run now like I want. I ain't got to worry about the police kicking my door down yep. and all that type of mess. Cause you if you kick my door down now, if you don't kill me up in that house, yeah. I want a whole lot of your money. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Cause you ain't got nobody coming in here. Right. Right. And knowing nobody, that, there's yeah. peace of mind in that. Right. There's... Ain't nobody doing nothing wrong in my house. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, I'm good. Now I, I'm hey, I'm more comfortable now than I was when I was since I was about what, about 24, 25, you know? Do you remember a specific moment being locked up, facing that, the totality of that, where you felt humbled? Or were you just taking moment by moment? Or this was a reality you already knew was potentially coming, given sort of what was going on in your lives? Locking, I had been doing time since farm school, so lock, getting locked up didn't humble me. It's when I got, when I got shot up over, on uh, Juella, and they had pronounced me DOA, and uh, they had they they wasn't expecting me to live because the police officer had got shot the same spot that I had got shot. He had a bulletproof vest on, and he died just a week before the end. At that same place? No, at the same. But in the same place, location as Bob. Same location. That's why they kept turning me over all night because they couldn't understand how the bullet went around my heart. It came out the back instead. You of were shot eight times that, or, or no, eight it, separate times. Yeah, no, yeah, I was. I seven. I got eleven bullet holes. I was shot like four different times, uh, but I had grabbed the gun. I was trying to take the gun. When I couldn't take the gun, I was just trying to unload it so make sure it couldn't be couldn't be shot. But long story short, um, that 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 humbled me because the lady come there and she said, "Switchboard lady, she said, baby, you know they've been she know they've been turning you over." They've been coming to here mess with you all night because they jump out boy. Remember the jump out boy had got killed? Yeah, yeah he Superman. got Yeah, yeah. That's 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 he had got hit the same play. I mean, that's the baby they keep turning you over because they can't figure out how how the bullet went around your heart. It wasn't nothing for it to bounce off of. And she said, Baby, whatever you do when you get up, don't leave the Lord in his bed when you leave. So and that's why when I when I got there and then my dudes came and got me, my sons came and got me, they kidnapped me out of the hospital that night. And they took me took me to the house, and so when they took me to the house, though I kept thinking about that, and that's when, after then, I started cooking at the house. I wasn't going out that much. I had started cooking. I had fell back. I had started cooking at the house because my, I don't know, something had happened, man. Something she had, said, "Don't leave the Lord in this bed." Yeah, she she she's come beautiful, man. But I heard I heard it when they had I couldn't see when I had got hit, and I, I said I can't see right. So the whole other stuff went down. But anyway. I'm going across the street and all I can see is the light and I passed by this house and it felt like a felt like a church. So I I went and I put my jimmy under there and and, and I, I knocked on the door. And I said, ma'am, uh, 
what y'all call Amaline for me, but I gave him a fake name. Then I gave my wife the real name. They said, baby, why you said your name is Eric Taylor? I said, cause they probably wouldn't have came and got me if I had said Sebastian Richardson. Wow. And then so that's when I heard the little boy, so little kid about 14 years old in the back said, Mom, this bam bam. Man, bam, 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 man, you got a big old hole in your back, man. I got you, man. I got you. And my wife had told us to make sure they take him to Willis Knight, don't know if he'd be unconscious when they got there. But they came there and they put me, they put this this suit around me and they blow it up with air. They put like a vest around me to seal up all the holes and they blew yeah. it up with air. Yeah. And I remember one of the police ladies said, bam, bam, come on, you scrolling this, you been through more than this him. Cause I was paralyzed once before where the bullet had hit me. I still got a bullet in my hip for that. But anyway, long story short, they took me there. When they took me, I, that's when I went up. I ain't gonna go into the story about the stuff I seen, but I went up through the ambulance. When I went up through the ambulance, I seen a lot of stuff. But anyway, but when I when I came back in the ambulance, I heard the, heard, the, uh, heard one of the uh, EMTs saying the prognosis, the prognosis of prog something of this entry long said, this will be a DOA, so we called and they called in. I heard them say, that's when I, I shot back in my body. And I was like, man, you tell me, dude, we're praying. Lord, you give me another chance, I ain't gonna do nothing else wrong no more long with my leave. Yeah, I know I was, that. I was praying, son, God. Hey, so, how about that? So that that uh, police officer was saying, bam, bam, you tougher yeah, yeah, than she's, this. Yeah, she's, she's a black chick. And my, my sister, everybody who helped me, my sister took him a flower and a card. Wow. By the next day. But anyway, she, she had, she's a black chick with a... Uh, with glasses on, I, I, my sister took her car. She knew who she was. She took the ladies at the house, cards and plant. I bought the little boy a bicycle. But anyway, they uh, and they they when the dude said that, and I looked up and I said, man, I can, I ain't dead. I can see, I can read your name tag. He looked and I said, yeah, your name tag said Kelly. And then he said, then he called back and told him to get something, get something, get get the stuff stat, this and that. He's and gonna they, yeah. And they started working them and they got me. Got me up there, and then that's when they got my wife. They sent my wife up there, telling my wife that they wanted me to, uh, they wanted to wheel me down to the, uh, wheel me down there in the hospital because they said the doctors were scared to work because they had it was too many people at the hospital. It's so a half of the people trying to find out who shot me, and the other half of the people trying to explain that they didn't have nothing to do with me getting shot. So they said the whole <laughs> hospital going on. And I See, like, I ain't know nothing about none of this. Oh, yeah. really? You didn't yeah. know nothing? You, I mean, you knew he got shot that time, though, right? Uh-uh. Oh, really? Not then. I ain't never known him get shot but one time. Yeah, no. That was on Ford Street. Nah, nah, that was, that was, this was before Ford. See, that's what I'm saying? I ain't even know that. That's Corgan Philly Station over there on Juella. Yeah. That was always out. Yeah. Kept on shooting you, man. Huh? Who's shooting you, man? I'll be, I'll be having to trying to take the guns. <laughs> <laughs> Getting bullets off the street. Uh, 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 yeah, I, 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 if somebody come out with a gun back then, my motto used to be, you ain't gonna pistol whoop me, you ain't gonna shoot me without me trying to take it. So that was just the life I lived at that time. Have you ever seen an act, uh, some, something a police officer's done that, that, that I mean, I imagine that you you have love for that woman for saying that to you in that oh, moment. No, I, I, I mean, it, it's, that's, that's the thing about it is, like I told you, my sister is a police officer and I know some, I mean, I respect police officers who, listen, we, as, 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 as a community, as a people, we need police officers. You know what I'm saying? We're not against police officers. I don't think none of us ever been against police officers. We against people who 
get behind their uniform and don't do their job and be dirty, use their uniform as an excuse to be abusive toward folk. But anytime a police come down there and did his job, he never had no trouble for Same me. way you would be if there was somebody in the neighborhood. If there's somebody exactly. in the neighborhood was getting over on the elderly or doing something wrong to the kids, that wouldn't happen in the neighborhood. Exactly. Right? But as far as the police come down there and did stuff, and we ain't got if you do something and that police take you to jail. So right now in this city, when you got the murder rate, you know, reaching the the, the highest it's reached. You know, in the history of this city, and 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 the violence is just going off, and it seems like senseless and completely unorganized, and making um, it's just tragic in all ends. Like, what role do the police have in this? Like, what what would you like to see the police? They 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 lost they they lost they they their credibility. They lost their credibility. So without their credibility, it's going to take men who from the streets to be able to get the credibility, and they need to start trying to resolve some of these situations to get these kids to understand that every argument don't have to end in the death. Every argument don't have to end in you going to jail and somebody going to hell. And that's what people need to get them to understand that being a gangster means also thinking. So don't sit here. But the police have, most of the police department with some of the stuff the children been seeing and stuff, they have lost that credibility. Then they hiring all these young officers who, you know, no disrespect to the police and everything, but they hide from where they can and going mm -hmm. on and they're not properly trained. So now they gung-ho and, you know, they want to come there and talk bad to people and going on. They have no, they go around and they do that lock, that knocking stuff and going on, but people don't even respect that because even the way they do that, you know, you can do stuff, you can do a good thing and do it in such an ugly manner to it no longer have no credibility. Yeah. So how do they get that credibility back? I mean, the first thing is they need to start finding credible people to do things and help them do things and be a part of that with them, so then they can pick it back off their credibility, and then they can start become credible themselves. If they go out there, you can't just sit here and say, "Okay, you've been, you just, I just seen you shoot a dude down in the back, or half of your officers shoot a dude down in the back, and you turned your head, or you went along with him and going well, on." Well, then you dirty and rotten. There's no hope you, for you, right? You but I mean, but 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 with with with, with somebody, but, yeah. Go, sorry, go but ahead. Under under the code, under the blue code. I, me and I used to say this in jail. I used to see officers come there, work, working there. Those dudes was they was they was I could see them before they got turned. Those guys came there with the objective of doing their job and being fair. But the association brought about a simulation because they got with dirty officers and under their blue coat, they had to turn their head going on. They had to turn their head to this. Or they, uh, they, they amen this, or amen this wrong and going on. So now you, you done amen that, so you done become dirty. And now those officers there, now they, they lost their credibility because the people done seen it and the streets done talking. The streets is talking. Oh, man, what? They, oh, he want to talk to you. Yeah, he going to talk to me. He was just with that officer who shot the dude in the back last week. And he got on TV and said the dude was coming at him. And we show video, show the dude wasn't coming at him and going on. They lost they, the whole force. They lost their credibility. Like I said, they had to, they need to team up with some of the dudes from the hood, pastors in the community, pastors who who know the people in community, and do some things to to establish that credibility. It ain't got to be the whole police force. The ones who really want to be a part and want to be able to go down there and talk to people, let the pastor and let the let the dudes show them how to invest in these people's lives. And once they start investing in these people's lives and so and see. And these children will feel comfortable coming to them and saying, hey, listen, uh, this is the problem I got. Or, uh, hey, what do I do about this? Because, you, I mean, you do need them. 
I mean, you need you, you need, got to have a but, man. But when you're, but I mean, for for both of y'all, when you're in prison, I mean, there were COs that did right by you, right? That that yeah. you could trust that did right. Like you said, if somebody came in and talked to you and used reason every single time, you and you Lieutenant were. Lieutenant Pernod told me on his on his own officer. Lieutenant Pernod told me, say, hey, listen, man, I don't feel comfortable with you going down there without that camera, cause some of these some of these lieutenants they're been to hurt you, man. So he the one told me to start making sure. That I get the camera brought down there by any means necessary. Which is why you refused to cuff up it, when they it, came to yourself. Exactly. This is Lieutenant, and I respect him, Lieutenant. And then, but Lieutenant Pernod done gassed me a couple of times. And every time he done gassed me, I respect every minute of it because he did it everything by the book. He, he did everything by the book. He did it. If, if other ones that had got me in a rage, and, we look, and I was too far gone when he got there. He gonna do his job. He gonna gas me and go it on. But I respect it because he gonna do everything by the book. It's really just about and the same thing on the streets right now. Shining a light on those ones and being like that. Look at what that will get you. Yeah, look, but, look at what that will get and you. And they, but they have to stand up when they stand up. It's just like with with, with but that goes both ways. When, when dude like Lieutenant Pernod is on, one of my little homies may be be doing something clowning or stupid. I tell him, I listen, man. Hey. Don't do that on Pernod. He's he a straight up dude. He, That's he's right. straight up. Don't, don't That's do right. that. It go both ways. That's right. You know That's what I'm saying? Right. I said, no, don't do that to him. And would you guys be willing to sort of do that for the police now? If they doing their job and going on, yeah. If, if one of if, if dude going on, yeah, we yeah, come on, man. Don't don't give him all that lip. Man, just doing his job. Come on, we do that. We do that all the time. And would you do that in the bottoms back in the day? Yeah. I, I mean, were there any were there any police back then that you feel like well, we had, see, that area had very few because it was a picnic to them. They they came down there and they just had fun. But if if you had one, whether it been the bottom or anywhere else, you had one that came down there doing his job, we, we we had no problem with him. You had, matter of fact, what that one, the gray, not gray head, the other one. With the, yeah, the, the, no, nah, with the shithead. Remember we used to call, you come by there and go get him you a sandwich. Shithead? Yeah, I know. You're yeah, the, the fat old guy. Yeah, the oh, old yeah. guy. Yeah, he coming there. He go in there and get him a sandwich and come out and hey. Got a warrant for five of your boys. Yeah. He come back and five dudes will be standing right there, ready, ready to turn themselves in to him. Then they born right on our jail and going about their business. Damn. Did, uh, Dennis, are we good on to no? Yeah, 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 yeah. We could, we could, we could, we 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 could do more. We could do more. Yeah, later. we don't want me in trouble. Yeah, he should be able to climb up. Look at, look at. You see, gonna climb up the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man. Hey, I gotta get that off. Thanks for being here, everybody. I really appreciate it. If you dug what you saw and you want to hear more, subscribe, like, do all that stuff. Uh, it'd mean a lot to us. I hope you dig these episodes as much as we dig doing them. You guys take care of yourself.